leader in this cause. Mm -hmm. And it started me on a path to sort of think about leadership in a different way and and not about performance, but um, being being there for others Mm -hmm. and sort of setting the example and really starting on a path of servant leadership. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen, an attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Bloom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast, Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest, uh, who will introduce himself. Jamie, please uh, go ahead. Hi, Maurice. Uh, I'm Jamie Burst. I'm the CEO at Zero Prostate Cancer. Uh, We work to help patients and families uh, fight prostate cancer by giving them uh, support and education and opportunities to advocate for uh, increases in prostate cancer research funding. Uh, better access to care. And uh, I've been CEO at Zero for the last 10 years. And actually, mm-hmm. today as we record this, Maurice, is um, my anniversary of being at the organization for 21 years. Really? Wow. So, yeah. But at that, now that I'm at um, this point, mm-hmm. I am, by June, I am going to, as my friends say, um, gra- graduate from, from Zero and um, move on to looking at other adventures and that's going to be uh starting up an endeavor in which i'll be helping out um other nonprofits with amazing missions all around the country on sharing my experience and listening to them on how we can kind of fine-tune some of the things that they're doing Mm -hmm. so we can build better nonprofits and when we build better nonprofits that means that we can build um, fantastic communities capable of really doing anything in terms of making the world a better place um, in the way that each one of us envisions that. Wow. That, that's that's exciting, uh, Jamie. I, I would like to understand more exactly what you're, you know, um, aiming for, but maybe, um, you know, you take us through your journey in terms of, you know, where did you grow up? What did you study? How did you then end up at zero? Um, I quickly say zero hunger because I want to, you know, I want to go to zero hunger. That's my kind of, uh, you know, drive uh, as as the listeners know. But how did you get uh, to then the work around prostate cancer and and then bring us to the next step. And that's this exciting June start. So, uh, yeah, where did you grow up? And then tell sure, us about absolutely. that. Yeah, and before I get into that, I want to say thank you again for having me on the show. Now, I, I, I heard a rumor that you've done 99 of these now. Yeah, right? no, you're absolutely right. This is episode number 100. 
So, so I, you know, we should have had cake, right? <laughs> Or something. <laughs> something. Um, well, well, I got a little water bottle here. So, so I'm here too. Thank you. And I'm, I'm really in touch and honored, Maurice, that um, I get to be on show 100. And congratulations, because this is doing a podcast is definitely a labor of love. And I, I'm sure that you have changed many lives throughout the, the 100 episodes that you now have done um, and, and, and spreading the word on, on how to have people think and behave and act differently toward uh, you know, trying to have a, a sustainable world and, and just making it a better place. So congrats. Yeah. So thanks, Jamie, and and again the listeners. I did not pay Jamie to say this. So so, uh, but I yeah, I hope I hope so, Jamie. I mean, from my perspective, it's really a lot of fun to do, and I'm I'm really humbled uh, by the fact that so many people want to talk with me and share their story with me and the listeners. So yeah, it, it has been a great uh, uh, ride so far. Yeah. Hey, so. But, Yeah, tell uh, us. Yeah, I don't know who um, I don't know who would who would not want to be on your show. But yes, to go back to your question, Maurice. Um, I think your question is, uh, you know, how did I get involved in leadership, or how did I get involved in uh, in 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 the uh, cancer space and for nonprofit? Mm -hmm. um, I I was thinking about that the other day. Somebody asked me a mm -hmm. similar question. I think um, the leadership roots of it. Um, well, this, I was at. A retreat with other nonprofit leaders um, a few months ago. And we were sitting around a campfire, and somebody had asked, "Hey, when when we were all kids, who here had their dream job was going to be a, a nonprofit CEO?" No one raised their hand. I think after a beat, somebody said, "Well, I wanted to be a firefighter," and we all laughed because, <laughs> of course, you know we always want to. You know, be be that kind of um, person, you know, a firefighter or, a, you know, a paramedic or doctor or something like that. But nobody ever raised their hand for that. And it got me thinking of like, when when did I, I start um, having tendencies to want to be a leader? And I go back to, to high school and mm -hmm. I was a sophomore in high school and um, they were looking for a captain of the track team that I was on. And I didn't even know what came over me. I was like, um, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you're a sophomore, you're a senior, but, you know, we'll see. And gave me, you know, sort of a couple week trial. And I feel like that was the first like burning moment that I had of like, well, I'm going to show what I can do. Um, so there, there's, there's that. There's flash forwarding it forwarding in the college. The, almost the, the same thing kind of happened. I got into writing for the college newspaper, and by my sophomore year in college, uh, they needed an editor for the for the newspaper, and I threw my hat into the ring for that because I, I found it interesting and exciting. And it was the same kind of thing of like, oh well, you know, it would be better if it was a you know someone who had a little bit more experience. And so I was like, I'll show you. So it, early on. Um, in those very early days in college, it was more of, um, I'll show you what I'm capable of mm. and sort of linking fair or not fair, sort of linking a lot of the perf uh, per performance to leadership.
Jamie, did you have some role models then in your, you know, your your parents who were doing similar things, were, were you know, being leaders in in what they did, or you know, family members or friends, or did it come really from, you know, this little voice from within yourself? Um, I would say a bit of both. A, a lot of it early on, you know, because we're talking about, you know, you're, you're really still developing, you know, maturity and you know, a lot of mental capacity um, when you're talking about teenagers and early 20s and things like that. But um, I would say, you know, some of it came from getting encouraged from teammates or people who I was on staff with at the at the newspaper. But a lot of it uh, back at that point was, um, was internal and sort of that, like, uh, internal fire to prove myself and to get it done. Yeah, I know that um like we we had we had a conversation before um a while back about you know the nature versus nurture of like where leadership comes from. And I think as as we get into talking more about this that it started I think oftentimes leaders are sort of made because of the situation that they're put in. Um, or they have sort of this fire in them to get it going, but it's the refinement and sort of that galvanizing that goes on with them over time that really shapes them into what a real leader is. Um, but to keep going with answering your question, so putting those two moments aside, I, around the same time as all this is going on, high school, college level, probably high school, is my we, well we didn't we didn't celebrate mother's day when i was growing up and we didn't because my my grandmother um died from colon cancer uh on mother's day mm-hmm. and that devastated my mom yeah and she was the oldest of six kids and all of of her siblings looked to her as being sort of this the new matriarch or what what do we do in this situation Mm. so from that um i got to view all that as sort of a young teenager and it was really impactful um on me at the time we did how many brother siblings did you have so to understand yeah yeah it's just me just me that i know Oh, you okay okay got it um yeah but my my mom is 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 who had um you know five siblings Mm -hmm. so there's a, a lot of um a lot of pushing, you know, pulling on her for mm-hmm. support as they went through that. Um, and my grandmother was 49. And to think that now wow. I've, I've even outlived her because that's a really young age. Yeah. 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 Died from colon cancer. And as my mom was spending a lot of time consoling her siblings and, you know, trying to settle out the estate and all mm-hmm. that, I was spending a lot of time with my other grandmother. But then the year after that, she had died from leukemia. So at a somewhat early age of, you know, early high school age, mm-hmm. to be so um, upfront and close to cancer in that way, and I, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to, I'm not positioning myself as someone who, um, uh, well, what am I saying? That um, 
there's a lot of people out there who have held the hand of the most important person in their life as they passed away from cancer. So I, I'm not saying that my experience is anywhere um, anywhere in the ballpark is that, but it was enough. Um, it was enough for me to see and feel at that time in my life that when the opportunity did come around, um, I got involved in a few other things along mm -hmm. the way, uh, you know, in my career, but I'm talking about where I'm at now and where, where we're going is, um, <clears throat> as an opportunity came up, um, you know, looking back to, uh, late 2001, 2002, to be the press secretary of this small Washington DC based, uh, mm -hmm. nonprofit that is funded by all of these different other organizations. So it's like an association, association, small, and just geared toward doing one thing, which is form a prostate cancer research fund um, that Congress controls. And so mm -hmm. I applied for the press secretary job and um, remembering the experiences that I had and I saw through through um the the deaths of my my grandmothers and thought that this was a chance to uh you know stand in that line and help fight cancer you know obviously two women they don't have prostate cancer um i did have a grandfather who had it but um standing your ground anywhere on the fight against cancer um I thought it was a great one. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a it's a wonder that I was even hired at the beginning because I remember I still remember to this day sitting in that interview, Maurice mm -hmm. and I. Yeah. And I said, Yeah, um Lance Armstrong, uh yeah, he had prostate cancer, right? And no, that's not the case. He did not. He had testicular cancer. But however, um, uh, the people who hired me um, uh, forgave me for that answer. And um, luckily enough, I had hired. And uh, along the way, over these last couple of decades, I've had some really, uh, really amazing sort of inflection points mm -hmm. on growing as, as a leader over that time. And, um, you know, like I said, at the, you know, as a, as a, as a young adult, I sort of connected uh, leadership around more of like performance. And even though I was inspired by the, the my grandmothers uh, mm -hmm. to get into the cancer cause, I wasn't fully bought into the cancer cause until almost... Um, but less than a year into the job, hmm. I met the, the chairman at the time, and uh, he came into the office and shook my hand and, I, and thanked me for all the work that I was doing. And, I, and Maurice, I knew he was dying, and he didn't have much time left. I don't mean to hmm. make, a, make this so dark, but sometimes these are the imprints that we, we have on ourselves that sort of drive us forward but it was hearing that from him made me more bought in and realize 
that what I was doing uh, meant something and it touched, it really touched the lives of people who were affected, uh, men and families who were affected, people and families who were affected by, by prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. And then sort of flashing forward a little bit, um, you know, maybe a couple of years later, and I, I advanced in my career at, at, at zero a bit. And at that time was a VP. And uh, the new chairman, I was on the phone with him about something. And I still remember what he had said, which was, um, you know, he said something like, hey, you're a really smart guy. Um, and maybe you should go back to school and become a lawyer. And this guy was a, a federal judge. Um uh, for a long time, maybe you should go back to school and become a lawyer. And he's like, but I hope you don't because guys like me need guys like you in this cause a whole lot. And I remember back and that was the first time I felt as though that I could be a leader in this cause. Mm-hmm. And it started me on a path to sort of think about leadership in a different way and and not about performance, but um, being being there for others mm-hmm. and sort of setting the example and really starting on a path of servant leadership. The third story that I'll tell, and, and, and we can um, sort of break this down, of sort of my journey of you know, getting to being the leader uh, you know, I am now, is we have, at Zero, we have all these run walks that we do. So we have these walk events that we do. We're going to do 47 of them this year across the country, which is amazing. And they're, they're, mm-hmm. they are events from... Uh, LA to Boston to Minnesota to Miami, all points in between for people to walk and run in. And a few years back before the pandemic, I was at this walk in Hartford. And uh, all of these people who come out uh, form teams and they form and they put together t shirts around there for their teams. And uh, I got sent uh, a, a t shirt. From this one team in Hartford, uh, after I talked to this woman, uh, who I found out that uh, her husband had passed away from prostate cancer about a month before the Hartford race. And um, so she sent me a T-shirt and I brought the T-shirt to Hartford. And I remember the day it was uh, uh, incredibly hot that day. It It was the kind of hot where if you're outside... I know you're a big walker, Maurice. It's the kind of hot day that you almost feel mm-hmm. the rubber on your sneakers kind of sticking to the to the pavement a yeah. little bit. Yeah. That kind of day. So <laughs> I'm helping set up and doing everything that I can to help out the team on setting up for the Hartford Run Walk. And I've I'm I'm a stinkopotamus by the time 8 a.m. rolls around. I, I've you know my my shirt is ready to get changed. My zero <laughs> shirt that I'm wearing. Yeah. So I change into. Uh, the team lovey shirt, which is this team that I'm talking about. And so I started to let um, this past November, I started to let some of our, our, our zero champions. And these are our, our, our 
our top volunteers who are very engaged in the cause and help us out. I started to let them know about my plans coming up in June. And the same woman reached out and said um, in an email of, you know, when I got to the stadium that day, when I got to the, to the, where we're going to do the walk that day, um, she says that uh, she was so broken up about um, the passing away of her husband, which is completely understood. Mm-hmm. She had a hard time coming into the stadium and taking part in the event. And so she made a deal with her sons who were with her of that she was just going to go in and get the race T-shirt and just go home. Mm-hmm. And so that was the plan. But when she came in, she said that she saw me and I was at the, the zero table. And then I was wearing the Team Lovey T-shirt, which is her T-shirt. Uh, and I smiled and waved at her. And uh, in an email that she sent me, she said that she told her sons that she might cry through some of this event, but she might find a home here as being part of part of this event and a way for her to start to heal. And um, that that really um, that that really touched me. And um, and I and I think of. It's gratifying to to hear that because what what I've done my best to evolve into over the 10 years that I've been CEO at at Zero Prostate Cancer to inspire others that they can be really everyday leaders. And everyday leaders are people who say something or do something that they might not even remember. I mean, I hardly remember waving or smiling at at Elise. I know I wore the t-shirt. Mm. But um but it's these everyday things that people can do um become to become leaders because we um oftentimes um some of us sort of think that well leadership is sort of like beyond where we're at now or that we need to go see the Wizard of Oz and get our you know, our, our special piece of paper in order to um, feel like we can call ourselves the leader or that it's it's a calling that's meant for somebody else. Or if we call ourselves a leader, then that's somehow uh, arrogant or whatever. But it's really uh, within us all. And it's and it's an easy thing to do. And we can do it in any, any moment uh, just by saying or doing something that that makes that that changes the outlook of just just one person because you know Elise did that for me uh that judge did that for me and it was just all I did for at the, at this Hartford run walk for Elise was a smile and wave and if you look at it like that like can't we all do that because it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot um and I I and that's uh, a, a lot of sort of the the philosophy or the the culture that I try to build into at zero. Yeah, no, uh, Jamie. I mean, I I um, 
you know, thank you for for sharing those uh, stories. I'm, I'm uh, th- this hits me big time as well. I mean, my own uh, dad passed away uh, due to uh, prostate cancer, and recently my uh, brother-in-law as well. And that's that's really fresh. It happened in October. Mm-hmm. Um, after twenty twenty years, I he called himself maybe the world champion on on. Uh, fighting uh, prostate cancer um, and then my sister died of cancer and um, anyway no no many people so thank thank you for for sharing that um I, I do have wanted to to mention quickly three things on the basis of what what you said and the first one is just a quick um question it does we don't have to go deep into that but I would I would like to know uh you know what did you study so that you ultimately came to to um uh you know working for for zero and and then what i understood is you grew into the organization and you ultimately became the ceo you started in another uh, job is that correct yeah and yeah. and while i was listening to you um jamie you know what what because you said there was not from the beginning you had this there were moments that changed you and the way you looked at your job and the way you became you know from maybe from a leader or from a manager into a servant leader um and if i look back at my own uh, career um and you know maybe this well, I hope that some people will see me as a servant leader. But I, when I look back, there was a lot of ego involved. And um, so I was busy with that ego, you know, and and growth and, um, you know, position. And, um, yeah, and, and I hope that that changed uh, ultimately. I'm trying to work on that. Um so I would like to hear, is, is that something that, that you're trying to describe or, uh, that happened to you as well? Uh, uh, sure. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I started off as, uh, by, by the way, um, you are very much looked like, uh, looked as a, a servant leader, Maurice. Um, there are many times that, that uh, we've talked that I've come away and uh, and felt smarter and healthier just from our conversation. So you are definitely, you're definitely that. Um, my, my um, yes, when I, when I started at Zero, I started off as the press secretary and moved mm-hmm. to um, a director of communications and marketing. Okay. That would be my background. That, that, mm-hmm. that was what I went to school for was journalism. Okay. okay. Uh, but then the CEO at the time, when I was in that position said, hey, well, you know, if you're talking to the media, and trying to get them to print articles, it was not that much different than talking to donors to seeing if they'll give to the organization. So you mentioned ego, Maurice. Mm-hmm. My ego was like, yeah, I could do that. No problem. It's a bit harder. I discovered quickly. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get a newspaper to write a... Uh, or these days, uh, you know, a website to do um, to do a piece. Um, so, so that was that was a bit humbling. Uh, but yeah, I would say that there was a, a good part of my career that that was driven um, by ego, and, and I think that's what um, you know I'm mentioning around the the 
uh, a bit of that fire inside of something that of, of feeling that you have something to prove and that that really started to fade into the background when uh, I, I started a family, which is more than 10 years ago. So before I even became CEO, I became CEO because the CEO before me, I mean, I had moved up to the point that I was, you know, chief operating officer, chief strategy officer of the organization mm-hmm. at that point. And uh, I got a phone call from him and said, hey, I'm moving on to this great opportunity. Um, do you want this position? Because, you know, I'll back you for it. And even, well, you know, I, 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 even, even then I, I, I sort of questioned, you know, should I do this or should I not do this? And uh, to be honest, I, I did it in part because I thought of my family uh, and being able to provide for them first before uh, what it actually meant to step into this role. And the mm-hmm. immense uh, responsibilities that, that come with it. Uh, so, so I had said yes in, uh, in order to protect, um, you know, my family because I didn't know what the future would be if they brought somebody else in. Um, so I did, and um, fortunately enough, within the first couple of years of being the CEO, um, I really started to see and build this wonderful team throughout the organization. And I think being a parent helped out, but really starting to have that ego go away and look at everybody across the organization in a way that what they were driving to for success, I was so proud of their success and and celebrating their wins as if they were mine personally. And that was the time that, you know, ego around the job or the career mm-hmm. like that really melted away. No, I, you know, we could talk for hours, right, about the, the, you know, the work that you did. Uh, but I really would like to give you also the opportunity to talk about, you know, the, the new thing that's coming that you're working on. Uh, in, in June, you will you will go to uh, an organization that you built yourself, right? Build a better nonprofit through culture. So, that's right. Um, so, so I have actually, I, I scribbled something because I looked at your website. Um and you wrote, if I can still read my own handwriting, having a healthy culture most imp- is the most important part of building a transparent nonprofit and great, what did I write here? Great mm-hmm, driven team, a results driven team and, and a great results uh, driven team. So my question to you, um, Jamie, is um, what is a healthy culture? Um, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. First off, I'm excited for for June. It's a little scary uh, after 21 years of being in the same. I can, uh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, but um, but it's exciting to move into this because 
Um, I really would love to try to take some of my experiences and things that I've learned because mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's been many mistakes that I've made and many failures that I've made over those two decades um, that I that I that I think think that I, I can help um, other nonprofits that are continuing to grow mm-hmm. or, or going through points uh, for them to succeed. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's called Build a Better Nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Build a better nonprofit.com. And uh I, I look forward to personally working with um with some 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 aspiring and great um you know nonprofits who want to get you know from good to great or from startup to uh momentum builders. Mm-hmm. And but, but to answer your question, what what makes a healthy organization? Um it, it starts with um it starts with the leader uh who goes about uh, making a really intellectually cohesive team that communicates clarity, but it doesn't end there. Um, the leader has mm-hmm. to um, live every moment uh, and teach the team to do this too, to have everybody throughout the organization or the team to feel uh, inspired. And that means inspiring them to do what inspires them. You know, not inspiring them to do something that they don't wanna do or that's in their sort of, um, in their frustration zone. Have something that inspires them that, so they can work to their strength mm-hmm. and feel, um, feel great about it. Um, a healthy organization has a leader in it or a leadership team in it that makes everybody across the organization feel safe. Um, and, and what I mean by that is um, <clears throat> safe from, we're going through tough economic times right now as a country, as a globe, really. Um, and that is, um, yeah, making them feel safe that, uh, you know, you're taking, taking layoffs off the table, really. And, uh, communicating transparently of what what's going on within the organization, and it's building um, a strong level of trust. That that um, like I said, you can have that transparency of communication and and uh, and and build up that trust in a way that everybody across the organization feels safe. Feeling safe also means that we have a strong commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion too, and understanding. Mm-hmm really well on what everybody's different backgrounds are uh even understanding what some people's unearned privileges are in life compared to other people um and not to feel guilty about that but to feel a higher level of compassion um so, so having having that compassion across the organization uh and knowing how our actions and how our words affect other people in the way that we communicate and work as a team. And then third, so we've got inspiring others to do what inspires them, having them feel safe when they're at work and all those different ways I said. And then finally, going home at night. And if work happens to be one of the last things that they think of before going to bed, having them feel fulfilled as their head hits the pillow at night about the work that they've done. And it's been meaningful that they've been able to collaborate that their opinions and voices have been heard uh, and they feel like they're part of something bigger. And if we can do that most days, 
who knows what we can achieve together. What you have learned is really based, of course, on all those years of experience of working uh, with your present uh, companies. I, I really think it's exciting for, um, you know, this, this next chapter uh, for you. Uh, scary, I, I, I guess, as well, right? Um, because you're going from a something that is uh, that you know uh, because of you've worked many decades. Now, you know, you, you're you're diving into a new pool. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had um, my my wife's aunt who's into financial planning. I had talked to her about what I was doing and she was like, oh, well, like where you're at with what you built with zero. That's we think about like stocks and bonds like that. That organization's a bond. It's solid. It's dependable. Um, but, you know, what you're jumping into now is sort of like this startup volatile stock. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But um, as far as I know, we only go through life once and mm. uh, there, you know, adventure is out there. Um, so I'm so I'm excited to do it. And um, I, I was telling somebody that it's sort of taking my experiences and what have been some of my failures and what have been some of my successes and, and, mm. and try to bring that to, to other organizations that's how I can be helping them, how, how it sort of feeds me or how, how it sort of like, you know, builds me up or sort of fulfills me is um, one of the things that I really liked and I, I didn't touch on too much, but I went to school for journalism. So before I got into the, into the nonprofit space, there was a few years there that I worked in journalism. And what I loved about that was coming in every day and it was sort of like, all right, today I'm a pseudo expert in this topic because they're going to have you go write about this or go write about forestry or go write about butterflies or go butterfly migration or go write about how so-and-so is building a boat. You know, so it's jumping around to all of these different things. So I get to live vicariously through some of these people that I talk to that are doing these, all these like wonderful involved in all of these wonderful causes um, with these great missions and maybe I get a chance to be a little bit of a part of that to help out in any way that I can. And that's that to me is sort of really cool. And it goes back to a little bit of my my, my roots and, and it matches up really well for me. I think it's exciting and I know you will uh, do well and i i really uh, encourage you know people that are in need for for um some coaching and an or a mentor uh to really uh you know connect with you check out the website we'll make sure that uh your website is also mentioned in the podcast notes so people can uh, um you know check you out do they have to wait in contacting you until june or or uh you know no, I'm starting to talk to people now, but okay. you're you're on the you're you're on the spot there. Um, yeah, it's um, mentoring others in in, um, in leadership. It's uh, helping them on how to create a great culture because it uh, that really comes first. A lot of people want to jump ahead mm -hmm. and just say that it's about fundraising. 
but it is about having a great, a great team in place who are going to have each other's backs and yeah. uh, make the organization stronger. But we also, we're also going to be doing that too, is uh, developing strategy and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and building fundraising plans and um, board planning too. I think yeah. I hear a lot from our colleagues that they mm-hmm. have issues around um, how do we build a great and fantastic board. And I've been so um lucky and fortunate to have uh, a, a terrific board and a lot of these years along the way and um, yeah, maybe have a few ideas around that as well. Hey, uh, Jamie, I would like to bring you to the kind of the next phase of, of, of our conversation where we go a little bit faster, um, where I have a couple of questions uh, for you uh, that I always ask with, with my guests. Um, the first one is, what makes you, you know, that you get out of bed in the morning? What drives you? What drives me to get out of bed in the morning is... Um... The care, a couple of things. Uh, the care and love that I have for my uh, family, who depends on me, um, and wanting to continue to be um, the best role model that I can for my kids. I have three of them. They're all in um, um, different stages. One's out in college, uh, one's in high school, one's ending middle school. So, so hmm. they're looking to dad for uh, advice all the time and um, looking at what I'm up to and what I'm going next. So, so that. That's the main driver. And then number two is um, helping patients and then looking to this last endeavor that I just talked about of that excitement of uh, what can we what can we do to make, uh, I don't know, it sounds hokey, but what can we do to make uh, the world a better place? And that that yeah. helps me uh, you know, get up in the morning of, of what, what, the, what the day holds. Yeah. No, I I hear you. And that's what I've written also in, in the, you know, in the, the small blurb around this podcast. You know, if you can make this, if we can make this world a little bit better, uh, that would be great. Um, you know that this podcast is a spin-off of my 100-mile walk. The next one will take place at the end of March, uh, beginning of April in the Seattle, Washington area. Um if you would be asked, I'm curious about this because now if you're changing your career, if you would be asked to walk 100 miles in a week, uh, so that means 15 to 20 miles per day, uh, for which cause would you walk? Is that still, you know, a cancer or would that be something else? Mm, so many great causes out there. Wow, that's a that's a good question. I... I am drawn right now to um, to to I would do that um, for something uh, in the, in the mental health space. I think of it mm. ways that um, me- men- mental health has affected me personally o- over mm-hmm. time. Um, um, I've had um, yeah, uh, d- depression issues. Um, I, I deal with ADD, but so do you know millions of other people. Um, but I also have people who have been close to me who have struggled with mental illness. I grew up with there's um, a friend of mine uh, who had uh, death by suicide um, a few years back. Uh, that was impactful. Yeah, I 
and I see how mental health affects some of the prostate cancer patients that I have um, met over the years. Mm-hmm. And just hearing from others on how you look at something like Alzheimer's, that uh, that just seems terrible to have your memories wiped away like mm-hmm. that. You know, where, where, what do we have but the memories of our adventures at the, at the you know, as we as we near the, the end of our journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that. Okay. Unfortunately, I've also experienced with that, you know, my my mother and and, and my uh, my mother-in-law uh, both had it at the end of their lives. So that's that's yeah, terrible because you're losing um yeah, you're losing your loved ones because they change into another person. Uh, as a result of uh, Alzheimer's dementia, so uh, well, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do. Um, I'll do a hundred miles and think of uh, think of think of your mom and, and and think of the people who've been impacted in my life around uh, uh, mental health. And, and you can fly out to Seattle and walk with me while I walk to end hunger and poverty, and just as you walk for mental health, uh, sounds like a plan, right? Hey, when I'm walking, uh, that's also a time where there's a lot of thinking going on, and and you know why are we on uh, here on earth, on earth, you know, purpose, um, and then you know, religion, spirituality comes around the corner as well. I have a question always about that, and that's what do you see happening among youth and religion and spirituality? And the question is because I some some of my fellow walkers are saying oh you know youths are very different than the previous generations others say no they're still the same they're you know so what do you see happening around religion and and spirituality and and the youth in your community uh do you mean in the context there is is the next generation coming up behind us sort of less engaged or more engaged yeah yes yeah yeah and how do they view look at church for example what do you see? Uh, I well, I definitely see um, uh, church being less of a staple or less of a um, a component in uh, young young people's lives. But I can say that from my own personal experience and looking at my my own kids and and the friends that they have is that there there is a good amount of spirituality there but not necessarily connected to the to the church and looking at spirituality as as a as a way of um love and humanity and and kindness and i think i think of it in, in two things if we, if we we drew a circle and wrote church in one circle and and wrote sort of like you know um you know care for your your fellow human and love mm-hmm. in another circle there's a, a good deal of overlap there mm-hmm. but um but in some areas there's there's not because we've seen you know sometimes in the church you know some things that happen are are, are, are not so good and um I guess not to say that there's not a lot of good that, that happens in church, but I, I'm seeing my first-hand experience, I'm seeing um, 
that there's a lot of love and humanity and um and that spirituality um in the in the youth around me i would say much more so than uh my peers when i was growing up at that mm. age my teenagers and you know, people would think nothing of it to bully and um, taunt and um, harass other people. And now this generation that's growing up is there is zero tolerance for any of that. And it's um, it, it's pretty unified around that. And it's a much different world than when I was that age. And it's really, it's really inspiring. And it, and and why why is that change? Why is it different in you know our generation? Do you think? That's a good question. I think that we um, um, each generation sort of brings us uh, you know closer to uh, harmony and understanding, and um, you know seeking out opportunities to. Um, uh, to explore or or sort of uh, uh, get get within circles and get to know people who are not not like them, and be ready to embrace that rather than push it away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I don't know. You think back over. You hear these stories from you know early Americas of. You know, settling here and and the atrocities that are done to um, Native Americans, and then you hear about how, well, so and so's from Ireland, or so and so's from Italy, or whatever, or, or uh, and and you know, there's just I guess there's like so much um, animosity that that existed there, and then you 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 look at uh, everything that that happened through. Um, the, you know the rest of the history of, of America, that every generation that comes along, um, for the most part, sort of moves us along into you know sort of a better understanding of, of embracing uh, that that we're all people that we're all the same um, underneath, and really you know embracing how we're all different, and. Um, so I don't know what the, the exact catalyst of why they are that way. For me, that's really helpful to hear that, because very often, you know, uh, people think, oh, you know, humanity makes a lot of similar mistakes every time again, but but uh, you are. Uh, pointing at no we are we are learning so that's that's really helpful and and, and thanks for for sharing that um jamie uh, music is very important uh to me so i always ask a uh, music related question as well and that is if i would ask you to mention a piece of music or a song that best embodies for a big part who jamie is what you are about which song or piece of music would that be and why I love this question. I, um, you, you let me know if it was coming ahead of time. Um, I know um, I'm not probably not supposed to say that, but um, love music. I was as even a, a, a DJ like decades ago. So you were wow. Yeah, so, cool. so, so I, I I I love music too. 
Um, it, it changes so often. This is it's such mm-hmm. a hard. I'm stalling here, Maurice. Even at this point, <laughs> stalling because there's so many good things. This is always the question where people, you know, uh, go back and forth. So you asked all yeah. these great questions so far, yeah. and, and this is this is the stumper, right? This is this is hard stuff. I would say, um, because of the endeavor that I'm about to embark, embark on with build a better nonprofit, um, it makes me think of. When I first started dating my wife, we, and I got a story for all of us. Mm-hmm. When I first started dating my wife, she loved going to the roller coaster. Me, mm, not so much. I like to find my adventures and other stuff along the lines of what you do, Maurice, of getting out and just walking and being in nature. But mm-hmm. she's big on roller coasters and so she <laughs> to the roller coasters. And we rode all these roller coasters and to, bring my heart rate down and to not be so anxious the song that i kept playing in my head and the song that i'm going back to like right now to sort of stay in that zen as much as possible is uh is a song called um the secret of life by james taylor Hmm. um and if you haven't heard it, it goes something like um the secret of life is enjoying the passing of time um any Fool can do it. There's nothing to it. Just um, try not to try. Try not to try too hard uh, because it's just a lovely ride. And in a roller coaster, I kept repeating that in my head quietly. <laughs> and in times that I feel anxious or uncertain right now on what's to come, I sort of let that try to play in my head. For you and and listeners who are joining for the first time, uh, we made a playlist on Spotify that's called hashtag Walk Talk Listen. And all the songs that are selected by my guests since episode 1920, I think or so, um, you know, are, 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 uh, yeah, you can listen to it. So that goes from classical to hard rock to James Taylor to, uh, you know, name it. So uh, I I would check it out if you will. It's really, really interesting. So thanks for sharing that, Jamie. Um, uh, recently, I also introduced a question uh, from the previous guest, um, so to really, you know, start connecting uh, almost literally uh, different people I speak with. So, please have a have a listen. I would say my question for the next guest would be: What do you do if you're an individual? that wants to take action on something they're passionate about, but don't know the first step. I think people get stuck there. So I would love for them to share what advice they have for your listeners. I, I think it's a great question. And I I, I also said that uh, I did not tell her that it would be you, but I said, oh, I know who the next guest is. So that's the, that's the perfect person to, to uh, reply to this question. So, Jamie, what is your answer there? Uh, thanks. I, I don't know if I'm the perfect person, um, but I love the question. I would say that when you don't know the next step to take over something that you're passionate about, it's it's often a sign of, I'm, I'm glad that she said that you're passionate about, because usually it's a sign of, I don't want to do this, 
or what I'm about to do, or I just don't know what that first next step is. And so mm-hmm. it's really natural that if you're passionate about something and don't know that first step of, um, of, of, I think that it's helpful to remember that even if they're thinking about where they're going or what their next endeavor is or what that project is or how how to get over some challenge or obstacle, even just thinking about it. Um, like, like, for example, Maurice, you get out and you walk all the time and get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, even just the act of you getting in that mindset of this is what I'm going to do. And just starting to, you know, pull the jogging pants on or putting on the shoes that starts the momentum. So I guess what I'm saying is that like, even, even if you're thinking about it, you have already taken the first steps. So if that makes it easier for someone to continue the momentum forward, um, to know that, that just thinking about doing that thing that they're stuck on, they're, they're actually really not stuck on it because they're, you know, thinking about it is action. Mm-hmm. Um, too often we get caught up into, all right, we're only doing something unless we're out there on the street um, walking or running. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is, you know, I've done a couple of marathons too, but there comes a lot of mental preparation and thinking about what your needs are and what the plan is to get from here to there. So I think that it's almost it's almost a myth in some ways because you're because you are thinking about it. Um, but number two, I would say, you know, if um, if you're still stuck there, is um, is have the humility to talk to others who um, who have who have faced similar challenges or faced similar opportunities um, to get some ideas from them that might or get some experiences from them on what might spark your own. Um, next step Jamie your question for the next guest will you make a commitment within the next week to be one of those everyday leaders and tell somebody um and you're either in your current circle of relationships or from your past <clears throat> that they've made a difference in your life because of something that they've said or done. Because that that's also a form of being an everyday leader. Uh, uh, Jamie, uh, Steve Hartman of, C- of C- C- uh, CBS he started recently, I think it's a, a couple of videos and, and uh, that he made. And I don't know if it's on television or only online. Um, but he's looking at uh, the gift. So um, he examines the act of a simple act of kindness and how that creates a ripple effect. And um, my question to you around that is, what are your thoughts about a simple act of kindness? And that's one. And then second part of the question is, if I would ask you to come up right now with a simple act of kindness on the spot, um, 
what would you do? That's great. I think it goes back to what we were talking about before of that uh, everyday leadership because it has a it has an impact uh, on others. Uh, you know, I said that uh, if it wasn't for some of these different uh, inflection points of things that people have said or or done, you know, around me and 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 the career that I I've had, um, you know, who knows where I would be at. Uh, so it's important to uh, to tell others on on how you how you feel uh, or how it's made their life better. So but your question is, uh, you know, what, what would I do right now to, to make a s- simple act of kindness to sort of make the world a little bit better place from the perspective of, uh, you know, one person. Um, I would say that, um, what comes to mind is, uh, Maybe a lot of people are saying this, but um, my wife comes to mind. Um, she does so much. She's she's an award winning artist, but she's mm-hmm. also a mom, and you know, lets me do this career. And and um, she does so many things for this family, and 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 doesn't um, doesn't get it get enough credit. So um, she's she's long overdue for a you know a little. Just some 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 flowers, or you know, just a, a nice show of affection. I really appreciate it, everything that she does. She's a she's an amazing an amazing woman. Um, so she, she comes to mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Comes to mind first. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so right after we are done with the podcast, you are going to order order some flowers for. Her. Yes, that's what we'll do. Yep. That that and I talked to yesterday, I talked to the to the head of um uh an organization that represents um cancer patients who are uh, under 40, usually adolescent and young adult mm-hmm. patients. And uh I'm I'm gonna make um a, a donation mm-hmm. to that Okay. I was really moved by um yeah. how many and how deep they, they help. Um, young cancer patients um, and it's really inspiring you know these these conversations always go so fast um i yeah what, what i would like to ask you is is uh, do you have a last message or an invitation or a question for the listeners uh, yes, I, I would say it goes back to what we talked about around uh, everyday leadership. Uh, as I said, um, you know, we, we look at leadership as being something that's like unatt- unattainable or something that um, you know we'll get to someday, but not today. But you can get there today, and and all leadership really requires is to is to do something like what we just talked talked about around Steve Hartman and what you bring out of the guests that you bring onto your show, Maurice, and that is. Um, uh, telling somebody about the impact that they've made in your life. So that's that's a challenge that that I would give um, your listeners out there of, or even the, the next guest that you have come on of, will you commit within sometime within the next week, whether it's in your circle of relationships that you have now or someone in your past who has said something or done something that has been meaningful to you in a way that has made you change your perspective 
or nudged you in a direction that you wanted to go in for your your maybe your next adventure or to get over something that's scary and let them know what they said or the, what they did. Because oftentimes they may not know. It, it may have stuck with you for a long time and you know meant the world to you, but have you had you actually said it? Uh, because if you said it, if you say it, chances are they'll they'll uh, it'll make their world a be- their, their day a lot better. They'll be the high it'll be the highlight of their day, <clears throat> and they'll keep saying and doing those types of things for others. Well, I would like to thank you, Jamie, for uh, your willingness and, and, uh, and time to talk with me uh, today, you know, sharing your story, uh, your experience and, and your examples. Uh, you know, we know each other from from a, from a leadership uh, virtual event that we are on a regular basis part of. And that's really uh, very you know, enriching for me every time we talk, and it's a bigger group than only the two of us. Um, but you know, thank you for what for what you do uh, during those moments, and also what you did uh, in the last hour. Thank you for who you are. Um, yeah, so so um, good luck with your with your next endeavor. I'm I'm absolutely sure it will be uh, successful and something that uh, will be inspiring for others and. Um, you know, I, I really hope that it will bring you what what you're looking for. Um, before we close, a, any any question that I should have asked you? And no I worries. Didn't. I just want to say back to you that uh, uh, you are magnificently uh, inspiring in the groups that you just mentioned, and uh, and, and by doing this podcast. Um, and thank you for for bringing on um, all the guests that you bring on. There, there, there's something in there for everybody that uh, uh, that that uh, they come away with feeling you know inspired and and, and fulfilled about and what they have going on in their lives. And and, and thank you for uh, being a leader and making the world a better place uh, by doing that and everything that you and everything that you do in, in your your professional and personal life. Thanks, Amy. Thank you for making for for bringing me on episode one hundred. Hey, cool. <laughs> With over eleven hundred miles walked, Maurice is yet again training to walk a hundred more. So, for those of you who aren't familiar, which if you're an avid listener, I'm sure you are, the hundred mile hunger walk was started in 2012 by Maurice to raise funds and awareness to fight hunger and poverty around the world. This annual event came to be because Maurice was inspired by the spirit of volunteerism behind the CWS-sponsored Crop Hunger Walks which are a community-organized charity event that takes place in over 500 locations across the U.S. each year. So because of this, Maurice decided to set out on his own journey and put his feet where his heart was. This year's 100-mile walk will take place from Monday, March 26th, to Saturday, April 1st, in Seattle, Washington. And on top of that, our fundraising campaign will run until the end of the summer. All the proceeds will go to support CWS's global programs that work to create a world where there is enough for all. So, how does 100-mile work? Well. Each year, Bloom walks 100 miles through CWS and crop communities and spends his time meeting with our crop volunteer teams, with beneficiaries, with local community members, political officials, students, artists, and other like-minded individuals like yourself who work to support their community and hunger and promote a healthy and nutritious lifestyle. This year's theme is centered around the inner development goals, 
The idea behind these is that we must first unlock and grow our inner capacity, skills, and abilities to fully materialize humanitarian transformation. These IDGs are guiding principles that help us achieve our goals as we work with local communities here in the U.S. as well as in the 60-plus countries that we work in to help end hunger and poverty while building healthy communities through increased nutritious lifestyles, especially for children. So what are some ways that you can get involved? Well, for those in the Seattle area, you can come out and walk with us for a mile, maybe two, or you can see how long you last. But don't worry, you can always come out and just say hi, meet with Maurice, have a chat, and then send him on his way. So on top of that, another easy way to get involved is to make a donation. Participants are also able to start their own fundraising page to continue their efforts by reaching out to their own communities to get involved as well. So to make a donation or start your own fundraising page, click the link. Well, of course, you're wondering where. <laughs> Go to the podcast notes and click in the links. In other exciting news, this year, Maurice has been chosen to be an ambassador for Knox Gear. Knox Gear is a brand company who makes safety and visibility gear for people and their pets who love to walk, run, play sports, or anyone who lives an active or outdoor lifestyle. And yes, you're right. Also, this link can be found in the podcast notes. When the link is used to make any Knox Gear purchase, 10% of the total purchase will be donated back to support CWS hunger and nutrition programs. So for anybody interested in joining us, getting more involved, or simply just wanting to stay connected, you can send us an email at innovationhub at cwsglobal.org. You're right. You can find the link again in the podcast notes. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, if you haven't already, become a Walk, Talk, Listen subscriber. So let's get walking together. And don't forget to hashtag go the extra hundred mile. Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.